All right, good morning. It's good to be with you. Thursday, I had almost no voice. So Friday, I, uh, I scheduled only one meeting, so I didn't have to talk except for like one half hour period. Then I got home and Lindsay wanted to talk, so I did some talking there. But um, yeah, it's good, good to be here. Um, we're, we're continuing in 2 Timothy. Um, let, uh, let's read the passage first, 2 Timothy 1 through 7. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. You might notice on a Sunday that uh, we pray a lot. And I feel like we need to pray right now, even though we just prayed. So if you'll join me. Lord, we, we come to you in many ways, but in prayer, because we recognize our need for you is so great. And Holy Spirit, we need you right now. God, not, not just me, the one speaking, but, but all of us need you. We, need, we desperately need to know how badly our need for you is, Lord. And we are... Oh, we are so well-versed in fooling ourselves into thinking we've got this. So, Spirit, would you speak? Would you open up your word to our hearts and to our lives, God? And Lord, when we leave this place, could, could you remind us of the things that need to stick with us, Lord? Um, God, I don't want to walk out of this room and, and not be different, Lord. I, I don't want information, Lord. I want you to transform my heart and my life. And, and we, we all, um, we want that for each other, Lord. So would you do that, Jesus? In your name, amen. Um, this thing is awkward to drink with. And I'm going to be doing that a lot. So Paul deeply cares for, uh, for his, his disciple, Timothy. Uh, this guy, he spent uh, a lot of time pouring into Timothy, Timothy's life. And Timothy is this young pastor, um, and, and he, he needs Paul. He needs the encouragement of Paul. He needs the wisdom of Paul. He needs, uh, he needs to be spurred on by Paul um, because he's dealing with, with tough stuff in this church. And we've been going over that as we went through First Timothy. And even last week, um, Gary talked about, uh, in, his, in Gary's passage, there, there were multiple people that were named that were just really hard to deal with in this church. Like, you know it's bad when you're named forever in Scripture as someone hard to deal with, right? So it, it is it is really going rough for this young pastor. And I think of him kind of like a, a boxer, all right? He's a few rounds into it, and, uh, and he's, he's probably landed some punches, but he is getting worked. Tons of body shots. His eye, one of his eyes is practically swollen shut. The other eye is just barely functioning. All he can taste is his own blood. And then the bell rings to end that round with many more rounds coming. And he goes to his corner. And there's his corner man, Paul. And this, these are the things that, that, that Paul is, is saying to him. He says, you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Man, Timothy in this moment knows that he needs strength, right? He, he knows it. Um, I, I remember 
um, when I first started, uh, fresh out of Bible college, I thought I knew maybe not everything, but I thought I knew a lot. I thought I knew a lot about ministry, particularly youth ministry, and it didn't take long to realize I didn't know anything. <laughs> I had a degree that said I did, but I really did not know much. And a year into ministry, uh, I got my corner man. Uh, his name is Clark. Um, I don't get to see Clark much anymore, but at Matt and Kathleen's wedding, I got to see Clark. And it, it was so good uh, to talk with uh, with my dear friend. Um, man, and he kept me from quitting so many times. We would meet multiple times a week. Um, our offices were right next to each other in, in the same church. And, uh, man, I would sometimes I would just weep in front of him, just come on, Clark, let me out of this. Like, let me be done. And he, he, he didn't force me, but man, he, he wouldn't let me quit. He, he was such an encourager. And he just, he continued to draw me back to Jesus over and over again. And Paul, here's Paul. He's, he's sitting in prison, right? This is probably the last letter that he wrote. He, he's waiting to be executed. And, and here he is talking to Timothy. So you need to be strengthened by the grace that's in Christ Jesus. That's the only source of strength is what comes from Christ. And I'm so good. My guess is you're pretty good at fooling yourself into thinking at times, like, man, I've got this. I can do this. I have these skills. I, I know this. I can do that. Um, but really, we're completely deceiving ourselves. And, and even if we're not, even if we can muster up the strength to do this thing, it, it's not done by God. It's not supernatural. No one's going to look and go, wow, your God is amazing that, that you could do that little thing. No, like we, we so desperately need God. And there are times when you know it. There are times, like I mentioned early in ministry, I'm guessing Timothy felt it here. Like he knew he needed God, and that's all he had. Um, I just read an article about... Um, 11 Christians that were martyred in Syria. I think this happened at the end of August. And uh, it, was, it happened in front of a crowd. And uh, they were, they were going to be set free if they would, uh, would deny Jesus. Um, uh, but they wouldn't do it. All 11, all 11 of them didn't. And many of them uh, were praying. Some praying the Lord's Prayer. Some, some singing hymns. Um, they knew. They knew all they had was the strength that Christ gives them. Right? Uh, I look at John Stevens' family. Um, who uh, John just died, if you don't know John. Um, his parents, they, they have nothing but Jesus. Uh, a handful of times I've talked to them, either in person or on the phone. They've been stripped of everything. Nothing matters. Their business doesn't matter, right? All the things they're good at, the possessions they have, none of those things matter. They're, uh, it's only Jesus that matters. It's only Jesus that gets them to take that next step. And I wonder... Maybe some of you today feel depleted. Your life is not going the way you would like it to. Your family is falling apart, or, or someone just got that diagnosis. Maybe you, your work is deteriorating right in front of you. All the plans that you've been making for years. Man, Paul tells us, and, and it's a command, you've got to be strengthened. You've got to be strengthened by the, by the grace that is in Christ. Paul wants Timothy to be filled with and to operate under the strength that comes from grace that is supplied only by Jesus. So, so today we have to ask ourselves, like, what is your source of strength? Is it, is it from yourself or is it from the grace 
that is in Jesus. And when was the last time that you even were aware that you needed strength from Jesus? Like, has it been a while since you even knew, like, man, God, I need you. Right? When was the last time that you couldn't take another step unless you prayed? Right? Unless you just sat before God and said, I cannot do this. If it's been a while, I think that should raise some questions. Right? Like, if we're not in places where we know we need Jesus, I think something's probably wrong. And it's not with Jesus, right? It's with us. Paul goes on in verse 2, he says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. And it's, it's this picture of like, like a, a gospel chain of disciple makers, right? So um, to Paul, he says, what you've heard me, Paul, say to you, Timothy, you're going to entrust that to faithful men who will also to be able to teach others, right? There's four like links in the chain there, and, and, and we're links in that chain, right? Someone, someone poured into you. Someone shared the gospel into you. And in fact, probably many, many people did this. Uh, someone, someone helped you grow in Jesus. Someone's helping you grow in Jesus. And that those links in that chain, they go all the way back to Christ and his disciples, right? This was his plan to do it this way. And it's, amaz- it's an amazing plan that, that Jesus took these, these normal guys, right? And shortly after his death, like I think it's within about 20 years, they, they go from this weird cult, right, to a worldwide religion. It's absolutely incredible what this gospel chain has done so so he, he's helping him remember that man we are we're making disciples who make disciples who make disciples and timothy he spent a lot of time with paul like paul was an amazing discipler right he took timothy around he says that you um he says what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses so he he took timothy around and Timothy heard him teach. He heard him preach. He heard him counsel. He, he watched Paul do the very things that Timothy would be doing a handful of years later. Um, he, he, was, he was pouring into his disciple to prepare him for ministry. He showed him how to respond to situations that he would find himself in. And I'm sure, you know, there were debriefs, and, and I'm sure Timothy asked questions along the way, and, and Paul was helping him. He didn't just say, hey, go do this. He said, watch me. Do this with me. Now I'll watch you. Good job. Now go do this on your own, right? So Paul, uh, Paul gives us this amazing picture of discipleship. But he's also harping on Timothy. You've got to raise leaders, right? Like, Timothy, you cannot run this church by yourself. You need solid leadership. Um, so he tells them you need to strategically find leaders who are faithful, faithful to, to God's word, right? To, to the word that's been entrusted to you, that deposit that, that we talked about last week, and, and faithful and committed to the body of Christ and the mission of God's kingdom. Um, you need to find those men who will be able to teach others as well. Paul knew that the health of, of leadership in any church will, will, will dictate the church's health overall and their ability to, to be effective on mission, to, to be effective at, at making disciples. So he goes on in verse 3. He says, share in, in suffering as a good soldier of Christ. He's going he's gonna to compare Christians to soldiers and athletes 
and to farmers. And suffering has already been mentioned a couple times in chapter 1. Um, Jesus, in uh, John 16, he said, I've said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. Right. So Jesus says he's going to give us peace in him. And then he says, in the world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Um, I think American Christianity, it's pretty easy to fool ourselves into thinking that if we follow Jesus, if we do the right things, then our life should go well. Jesus never once promises us that. All right? That's not a biblical theme. Jesus says he'll give us peace. Yep. John Stevens' parents right now, Joe and Cheryl, uh, they told me about the, the, the moments of immense peace that they have, even though their son is gone. Right, so they're experiencing massive trouble, and yet God is meeting them with peace. So Jesus, Jesus tells us, man, we will have trouble, and it's it's different here for us, right? Like our brothers and sisters overseas, they they experience persecution, right? They 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 lose jobs because of following Jesus. They're they're excommunicated from from families or communities, right? Their their lives are threatened, or they even lose their lives, right? We don't we don't know what that's like, right? We read stories and, and, and we're saddened, but we don't know what that's like experientially. And yet we will still face difficulties, right? We will still face hard, hard things. And, and Paul's saying, share with me in this, right? Paul wasn't asking him to do something that he wasn't, hadn't already done or currently doing, right? I told you, Paul is about to die, right? He, Paul's been flogged. He's been shipwrecked. He's been stoned and left for dead. He's had his life threatened many times. He's had to flee cities. Like Paul knows suffering, and he invites Timothy to share in that. One scholar translated it, take one's share of rough treatment. And being faithful to Christ, like we, we will experience hardship. We will experience roadblocks from the enemy. Jesus told Peter that Satan had asked to sift him like wheat. I don't really know how wheat is sifted, but I know that I don't want that to happen to me, right? Um, John 10.10, Jesus says, The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you may have life abundantly. So a good soldier is, is no stranger to suffering. A good soldier doesn't just do their minimum duty and then clock out. They serve with all they have, in, in, including all those times of suffering and training so that they can do the mission they've been called to. Verse 4 says, No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits. They have a life back home, right? Life before they were a soldier. They have friends. They have family. They have things that they enjoy. Their, their circumstances, good and bad, back home. But a good soldier doesn't get entangled in those. And entangled means to, to, like, to be like weaved into or, or, or caught up and meshed. It doesn't mean that the relationships are cut off, but, but we're not trapped in those because, because we have someone that, that, that we are following. A Christian doesn't allow earthly pursuits to interfere with following Jesus. The soldier trains, they serve, they eat, they drink, they breathe in preparation for their mission. And following Christ is hard, right? Like following Christ actually involves self-denial and self-sacrifice. It is a hard, hard thing. In verse 4, he says, uh, sorry, continuing in verse 4, after he says no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, he says, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. And I wonder, who who do we live to please? 
There's a saying in marriage, happy wife, happy life. And it's very true, <laughs> right? If you don't know that, husbands, it works. It's good. And while, while I want my wife to be happy, uh, you know, there are things that I do for her just because I know it'll make her day better. And will it make my day better too? There's a good chance. But like she, she loves it when, when I make the bed. I know I've talked about this before. I've never once looked at a bed before getting married and go, man, that thing would be better if it was made, right? No, but, but now that I'm married, I know my wife, for whatever reason, thinks it's awesome for the bed to be made, right? So, so I do that for her, right? And, 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 and that's a, a good thing, but man, I've also struggled a lot of my life with being a people pleaser, and I wish I could say I'm done struggling with that. But I think a lot of Christians, like this is a trap that we fall into. Like we're way more concerned with pleasing people than, than pleasing our Lord. And, and obviously when we stop or when someone says that, we go, oh, yeah, that's, that doesn't make any sense at all. Galatians 1.10, this is Paul again. He says, for, I am now, uh, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ, right? Those things, they don't go together. Like we live, Christians, we, we live to please our Lord and Savior. Obviously, we love people, we serve, but, but they're not the ones we're aiming to please. He goes on to talk about an athlete, verse 5. He says, an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And compete could be, uh, you could say, to contest or contend, wrestle, struggle. An athlete is, is just determined to win, right? There were years where I thought that I was an athlete, right? Um, not quite delusions of grandeur, but definitely delusional. Um, you know, I thought I was athletic. That's, all, that's as far as I need to go. Um, so I was running the Heritage Trail down at the lake years ago. And um, back then, she was probably, I'm guessing, 14. What's her name, Sherry? Alexa Ephraimson. If you don't know about her, she's... She went to campus, graduated a couple of years ago. An amazing runner, right? So I'm running. I feel good, right? I feel like I'm doing all right for 30, whatever I am at that time. And, uh, and I hear footsteps coming, and they are coming fast. And I'm thinking, man, like this person is trucking. And, and I'm like a ways into the trail, so it's not like they just started, right? And, uh, and I don't want to look back. Like I just I pick up the pace, you know, and... Uh, it didn't matter because <laughs> this 14-year-old girl passed me. <laughs> Nothing wrong with 14-year-old girls. Uh, and, and I didn't know who she was, but I did not feel good. <laughs> right? And then, and then it happened again and again. And not all the same day. I didn't run that long. Um, and finally, I'm like, who is this person? Right? Like, plenty of people passed me. Not a 14-year-old girl, like, flying, right? She looked like she was on, well, no, she's, I was going to say on steroids. She's not cheating. Um, <laughs> anyway, blah, blah, blah. She's a professional runner now, right? She's not even, she's going to college, but she won't run for their school. I don't know. I'm not into running, obviously, so I don't know what that's about. But uh, she was named, like, 
uh, Gatorade Athlete of the Year, her senior year at Camus, her female athlete of the year, something like that. She's amazing, right? And the Gatorade made this video of her, and it, it talks about her training, right? And she's she's always been a part of of a team, right? She did cross country, she did track at Camus, but you know she's in a different league, right? Like she was really running by herself all the time, like people couldn't keep up with her. And, and it talked about the early morning runs, the the late night runs after hours of homework. She was an amazing student. Um, so now I see her in town. I'm like, I got passed by that future Olympian. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Actually, we were at Mod Pizza once with my kids. I'm like, that girl's going to the Olympics someday? And she ran by me a lot. Um, but anyway, Paul brings up the athlete, right? And the athlete, man, there's so much sacrifice. There's so much self-denial, right? They, they are training so that they can compete, so that they can win a prize. There, there's mental, mental training that goes into it, physical training. They, they, they change their diet, their, their sleep schedule, um, their, their free time. Like everything is, is wrapped up around the training so that they can compete to win. And Paul is comparing us to that in our following of Jesus. Following Jesus is not a half-hearted, lackadaisical pursuit. And God is so gracious to let us know when we follow that way. And believe me, he lets me know a lot. Because it's so easy to slip back into routine. It's so easy to want to be comfortable in following Jesus. I think there's also a temptation for us to sell Christianity as if it's easy because we want people to have the joy that we have. We want people to be saved. We want them to know Jesus. So, so we give a soft sale. We sell it halfway, and, and, and we, don't, we don't really help people understand the cost that's involved in following Christ. In verse 6, Paul goes to the, to the farmer. He says, it's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. The farmer's kind of a weird one. You know, like you read soldier, and, and at least a well, soldier and athlete, like as a young boy, man, there were times where, you know, I wanted to be a soldier, and I found out boot camp existed. I'm like, I'm not doing that. You know, or an athlete, I was sixth grade, I have my, I have my sixth grade yearbook. And, uh, and we had to write a little section about us. And then part of it's like, what do we want to be when we grow up? And I wrote, I want to be a catcher for the Cincinnati Reds. And then I was smart enough, kind of, to say, and if that doesn't work out, that was the smart part. This is the dumb part. And I said, I want to own the Cincinnati Reds. So I was clearly not thinking about being a pastor in sixth grade. So, so those soldier athlete, like that's... Man, that sounds awesome. A soldier gets to, like, shoot guns and train, and they've got camouflage and face paint. They're part of a unit. They're part of this army that goes into battle. Like, there's excitement there, right? The athlete, yeah, they're training a ton on their own, but there's, there, there's, there's the competition itself, right? There's the prize. There's, there's crowds cheering them on. Like, those are exciting. A farmer is not exciting. No offense if anyone considers himself a farmer. But I also think it's probably the most helpful of the three for us. They're not, it's not a flashy thing at all, but, but I think it probably most parallels following Jesus. Farmer, I mean, it says it right there. He calls him a hard-working farmer. He doesn't just call him a farmer. 
calls him a hardworking far farmer, which which means to toil intensely. The the farmer gets up early. He works later than most people. He deals with with rain, with sun, with drought, with mega windstorms that the news promises all week. Um, farmers have to they work the soil, right? There's nothing glorious about that, right? No one wakes up and goes, "Yes, manure day." I'm excited, right? They, they work the soil, whether it's got rocks in it, whether it's hard, whether it's soft, and, and then they plant and, and they wait and they wait and they, they don't even get to see what's going on for so long, right? It's all happening under the soil, in the soil. And then, and then they do get to see that, that seed sprout, right? I tell uh, middle school staff that you know, middle school ministry is so often like that. Right? You could spend three years with a middle schooler and think you have gotten nowhere. Um, and then they get into high school and, and, and man, there was stuff happening, right? There's, there's this sprouting going on. And that's why everybody wants to be on high school staff, right? Because you can have deep conversations and like, it seems like the kids actually care about Jesus and they're listening. Uh, but man, like God is doing work in, in all that time and the farmer toils. But it, it, there's a lot of waiting that happens. And all of these point us back, the, the soldier, the athlete, the farmer, they, they all point us back um, to, to the self-denial, the suffering, the, the sacrifice that comes with following Jesus and that by his strength you can make it to the end and that it's worth it, right? Verse 6 ends, that it says, it's the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first shares of the crop, right? Like that's the prize for the farmer. He gets the crop, and maybe he has hired hands, and those hired hands will be paid by some of the crop, but you better believe that farmer gets it first, right? He's getting the best stuff. He's getting the biggest share. Man, following Jesus is so worth it. Paul's telling Timothy that as Paul sits chained up, waiting to die. He says it is so worth it. There's a pastor that I listen to um, here and there, and uh, he talks about uh, telling his kids a, a lot that, uh, man, someday you're going to see Jesus, and it is all going to be worth it, right? And he imagines that day. He imagines standing there with his family someday saying, see, I told you. I told you this is how awesome Jesus is. I told you that all those things that we gave up as a family, they were so, so worth it. And that picture is so helpful for me because it's so easy to get distracted by this world. Right? Like we live in a really, really nice place. And there's a lot of things, a lot of good things even, to get distracted by. All right? A lot of things that are even blessings from God that we can turn into idols. And I think for me, the easiest is my kids. Right? It is so good for me to love my kids and love them well. But man, I'm just a step or two away at any moment from making them my God, from making them my idol and pouring all I have into them. Like we, we need to constantly be aware. We need to constantly be vigilant. That man, it is God that we are seeking to follow, and it is, it is so worth it. And I don't, if someone's new today, you're the reason I'm saying this. If you've been here a while, I know that you don't think that, that we were preaching like, hey, Good works is what gets you in. Like, no way. Our, our good works, um, they have nothing to do with, with receiving or keeping salvation at all. But God has, he's prepared us 
um, and made us to do good, right? Like, like God is working through his people to do good. Ephesians 2.10, I think we might have this up on the screen here. Maybe, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So, so God has made us to do good, right? He is, the crazy plan is he's trusted people to be the ones that bring the gospel, right? He's, he's given us the job of making disciples everywhere, right? So, so we are created, right, to do a whole lot of good work, but it's by grace that we are saved through faith in Jesus. Verse 7, Paul says, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. I don't know if you've ever been in the room with someone that that has mastered their craft or, or their industry, right? Like they've just been, they have so much experience, so just, just a wealth of knowledge. There's, there's a handful of times, maybe even just a couple times in my life, where I've gotten to be in, in a room and, and hear from someone that, man, you, you just hang on every word, right? And you, you're like, oh, where's pen and paper right now? Like, I need to write this down. I'm not smart enough to remember. Because everything they're saying is just golden. And that's what's happening here. Paul is, he's given Timothy everything that Timothy needs at the end of his life. And Timothy's, you know, one of the next links in this chain of disciple makers. And Paul's pouring out all this wisdom to him. And he says, think about this stuff. Think about these things I'm saying. They're true. God will give you wisdom. He'll help you to understand all this. And he's really, especially with those three examples, he's inviting Timothy to examine his life in Christ. Are you enmeshed with the affairs of the world? Are you working hard for the gospel to be proclaimed and disciples made? Are you a God pleaser or a people pleaser? Are you a mature Christian? Do you understand self-denial and self-sacrifice? Are you willing to pay the high price to keep following Jesus? Um, heard years ago uh, uh, about artists, right? That would uh, they'd they'd make something. They'd make like I don't know a ring, right, or a sculpture, and. Uh, I don't know anything about jewelry at all, but they do what they do to make that ring. (laughs) They pour it into a cast, I think, and all that. And it comes out, they polish it, they buff it, and they realize, like, ah, there's there's some imperfections there. Right? So some some uh some of the jewelers would would then like add some wax to it, right? And and then put some gold dust on there and, and make it look perfect. Right? Like it was great. And a person would come by, see that ring, oh man, I want that. They buy it, they take it home, and that wax you know, heats up, melts off. It's like, what is going on with this? Or, or, or a sculptor is working on their piece, right? It's beautiful. They're putting like the finishing touches on the nose and like hit it too hard and just no more nose, right? So, so they like, oh man, I got spent weeks on that, or maybe longer, I don't know. I spent a ton of time on this. What am I gonna do? So they would. You get some clay, some form a nose, get it to stick on there, look just right. Somebody buys a sculpture, looks awesome, take it home, it's in their hallway, walk by it every morning, love it. And one day they see a nose is on the floor. Like, what? What happened? 
So this is a problem, right? So uh, they, they started with all kinds of things, uh, like, like sculptures, like, like rings, jewelry. They started testing them with fire. And when they made it through the fire, you know, the imperfections would be burned away, melted away. And the piece would be marked a sincere piece. Right? They knew that this piece was for real. Man, Christians, we, we get tested by fire, right? Like there is suffering in following Jesus, and, and yet it is so worth it. We'll end with uh, 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty-eight, and I'll pray. It says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, I thank you for a wise sage like Paul speaking to Timothy. And yet I get to glean from that a couple thousand years later in how to follow you and how to be a part of the church. How to, and, how to, and how to pastor. Jesus, we don't want to live Christian lives that are half-hearted. Lord, I, I just I don't want to get to the end and realize, oh man, I wasted my life, or I wasted all these years. Lord, would you help us collectively together to follow hard after you? And Jesus, I thank you for all the all the things that are going on at Harvest that like Leadership didn't plan. You know, moms getting together, dads getting together for accountability or prayer, Bible study, or whatever, all the things that you're doing that, you know, some I've heard of, a lot I haven't. God, I thank you for those things, and I pray that we could spur one another on, Lord, that we could help each other follow hard after you, Lord. I pray that we could have honest conversations, that a brother or sister could say to another brother or sister, what are you doing? I don't think you're really depending on the strength of Jesus right now. God, could we be that kind of church? Could we be those, those people, Lord? Jesus, we love you. In your name, amen.